This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Roseman. Good afternoon, wherever you are, and welcome to the show. It's called Because I Said So, Because I Said So, and because it's all about what in America today is called parenting. It used to be called raising children. The term parenting implies that uh, the raising of children involves a technology that can be mastered, and uh, that's part of the psychobabble that has informed American child-rearing since the mid-1960s. I am a psychologist licensed by the North Carolina Psychology Board. I'm an outlier in my field, a rebel with a cause, a troublemaker. If you'd like to read more gossip about that, you can Google these three words, John Rosemond, Kentucky, and um, read all about how the Kentucky Psychology Board tried to force me to remove my syndicated newspaper column from all of the Kentucky newspapers that it appears in, including Lexington. And uh, why? Because uh, they claimed that by publishing a newspaper column in Kentucky, I was practicing psychology without a license in the state of Kentucky. And uh, if that seems odd, it is. But if you understand where they're coming from or we're coming from, it, uh, it's not odd at all. They're trying to silence me because they don't like what I say. What do I say that they don't like? I say that psychology, the profession, has caused more problems for the American child, parent, mother specifically, uh, marriage, family, school, culture, community, uh, and therefore, America as a whole, then psychologists even know how to solve. Uh, psychological theory is uh, bogus. Psychological counseling is bogus. And why do I say it's bogus? I say it's bogus because I believe in God's word and the uh, point of view contained in psychological theory concerning human beings and life itself stands in 180-degree opposition to a biblical worldview. So uh, you choose one or the other, and I have chosen, and I am convinced that I have chosen correctly. And part of the uh, purpose of this show is to get you to choose correctly which point of view you're going to adhere to in the raising of your kids. So if you're interested um, in finding out more about me or host, you can go to my website, which is at John Rosemond. That's J-O-H-N-R-O-S-E-M-O-N-D dot com, where you can find uh, my last five, I believe it's the last five, of my syndicated newspaper columns. You can go to my bookstore and look at all my books and uh, CDs that I have available and... 
You can go to my speaking schedule and find out where I'll be and if I'll be in your area in upcoming months. So I received an interesting question from the parents of an 18-year-old girl recently. They write, Our 18-year-old daughter is a month away from high school graduation, and she is failing nearly every class. About six months ago, she took up with a group of young adults who are less than desirable, to say the least. Some of them are dropouts. I suspect drugs and alcohol. The more we tried to prevent her from running with this lowly bunch, the more rebellious she became. Finally, in desperation, we took her car and her smartphone away and told her she can't have them back until she possesses a high school diploma. If she fails to graduate with her class later this month, and this month would be May, she can go to summer school or get a GED from our community college. She says she's not even going to go to school at all until we give her the car and the phone back. And she adamantly refuses counseling. Help! As I'd be asking for help as well. The unfortunate thing is that this is not an unusual or unique story in this world today. So here's my answer. Here's a principle, folks, that every parent needs to commit to memory. And I'm not only speaking to the parents of this rather delinquent young lady, I'm speaking to all of you out there in my radio audience on American Family Radio, wherever you're listening to me, if a child does the wrong thing, this is the principle, if a child does the wrong thing and parents respond with a right and proper thing, the child may keep right on doing the wrong thing anyway. I call that the Jeremiah principle because in the book of Jeremiah, the Lord of Israel laments that no matter what he does, his chosen people keep right on misbehaving and doing exactly what they want to do in their rebellious spirit. The story illustrates that proper consequences do not necessarily produce proper behavior. Here we have the Lord of the universe trying to get his children to pay attention to him and obey him, and they refuse to do so. So here's the lesson of that passage in Jeremiah, and that is that if the Lord of the universe cannot persuade, by whatever means, his chosen people to pay attention to and obey him, then your chances, under certain circumstances, of getting your children to obey may be slim to none. Now, I'm not saying that getting children to obey is a fruitless cause. I'm saying that when children decide of their own free will, and folks, I believe in free will, when children decide of their own free will that they are not going to obey, 
there will be times with certain children when no consequence will work, no matter how appropriate, right, or whatever other word you might want to use, the consequence is. In my view, these parents have done the right thing by stripping two of their daughter's most coveted privileges from her, her car, her phone. By the way, neither of them are hers. Legally, they are both her parents. In so doing, you've done your best, these parents have done their best, to illustrate to her that freedom and personal responsibility are the yin and yang of life. That's my attempt to honor diversity, folks, using the words yin and yang, which are, I believe, Buddhist words, Hindu words. Anyway, they're not Christian, but they apply in this situation anyway. Yes, by stripping these privileges, her car and her phone, her parents have done their best to illustrate to their daughter that freedom and personal responsibility go hand in hand. You can't enjoy the former freedom without the latter personal responsibility. And when I say that these parents have done their best, I mean there's really nothing else they can do. I'm relatively certain, in fact, that they already know that. They're probably just looking for a straw to grasp. They've no doubt tried grounding her, lecturing her, the usual approaches, and things have only gotten worse, obviously. So I say to them, stop trying to find the magic straw and simply stay the course. Even though removing the phone and the car haven't worked, you need to understand you've done the right thing, and at this point, simply stay the course. They should not give her the car and the phone back until she has possession of a high school diploma with her name on it. They should not waver. They should not cave in the face of her blatant attempts to blackmail them. They should stop trying to talk reason into her thick little head. They should just love her and know that loving a child often involves heartache and even heartbreak. But they should also know that far more often than not, things eventually come around and the sun comes up again in the parent-child relationship. It may take months, it may take years. I've heard of it taking many, many years. But more often than not, the sun does come back up again. In the meantime, these two parents should focus on enjoying the later years of their lives together. If this child doesn't graduate with her class, so be it. These parents have done their job, and it's time for her, the daughter, to take over. She is letting these parents know that she is going to take over anyway, regardless of what they do, and there's nothing, absolutely nothing, they, in fact, can do about it. She is doing all of this in a self-defeating manner, but her self-righteousness blinds her to the fact that she is her own worst enemy. And there's nothing but time and real-life experience that's going to instill that insight and that understanding. By the way, folks, the next ploy on this girl's part is to promise to go to counseling if her parents give her the car and the phone back. These parents should not fall for that trick. This girl may be doing stupid things, but she is still capable of being as clever as as the proverbial fox. 
I'm John Roseman, your host. The show is called Because I Said So. It runs every Saturday afternoon across America on American Family Radio Stations. Glad you could join us. And well, by the way, the show runs Saturday afternoon at 6 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Central, and you can do the math from there. Glad you could join us. I'll be back in a minute or so with more of this psychological heresy. Please stay with us. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us, the show is called Because I Said So. It runs on American Family Radio across the United States of America, this great, great country that certain factions are trying to tear apart at the seams as I speak. Anyway, there I go off on a political rant once again. I have to remind myself every so often the show is about parenting. It's about raising kids. It's not about Politics, Although, you know, folks, these days, the fact of the matter is it's almost impossible to separate any subject you might want to discuss from its political implications. It seems like everything has become political these days. The weather is political. The raising of children is political. Marriage is political. Everything in America has become political to our mutual and collective detriment. If we would only return to a strict interpretation of the Constitution in how the United States government operates, and I'm not just talking about the left, I'm talking about the entire political spectrum and especially the entire political spectrum up in that political cesspool called Washington, D.C. In my estimation, almost all of them, with rare but notable exception, are swamp reptiles who need to be ushered out of office and replaced by people who will support a strict interpretation of the United States Constitution when it comes to running this country. Term limits, folks. Term limits. The president, two terms. Senators, one term. Representatives, two terms. That's it. Get them out of there. So, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I just have to do that every so often, folks. Uh, and, uh, when I do uh, depart from the uh, designated subject of the show, which is child rearing, and go off into a political rant, uh, for those of you who uh, uh, don't particularly enjoy that, I have no apologies. So anyway, here's a question from, and it's again an interesting question from a couple of parents who write me and say, John, we've just moved to a new community and are seeking a new school for our two children who are six- and eight-year-old boys. They are smart, well-mannered, respectful of adults, and very creative. 
We know that sounds like typical parent bragging, but it is, in fact, what all of our friends and our boys' teachers have all told us. We raise them in as traditional a fashion as we can, given the opposing forces in today's world. They have daily chores. They're allowed no after-school activities that might interfere with family dinner, which we eat together in our own home seven nights a week, most weeks. They are not allowed to call adults by their first names, and they are expected to always use good manners with both adults and children. So, Knowing all of that, do you have any school recommendation for us? This is a relatively small town of 40,000 people, approximately, and our options are an independent private school that boasts wonderful student achievement, a public school that seems okay, at least there are no reports of huge problems, a Montessori school that goes up through grade 8, and a Christian school that goes up through grade 12. So here's my answer. Before answering the question, I must take a moment to honor your attitude. In other words, I'm talking to these parents, your attitude and approach to raising future citizens of this country. As you obviously know, you are in the minority, but you are also evidence that retro child rearing is really not a thing of the past that it is still a viable approach to the raising of future citizens and still and is still being practiced and still works and works very well. In fact, it works better than any other approach. And that's what I'm all about, folks, is creating a retro parenting revolution in this country that will restore, just like we need to restore a strict interpretation of the Constitution, we need to restore a strict interpretation of God's plan for child-rearing, which is clearly set forth in Scripture. Clearly set forth in Scripture. Speaking as a psychologist, I can tell you, because I'm an expert at this, that we have been in America, even in the Christian community, not depending on God's word for our instruction, guidance, direction, and the raising of children in this country. And again, folks, this applies as much in the Christian community as it does out there in the secular world, which is why in the Christian community we're having just as many problems with kids and the same kinds of problems with kids that they are out there in the secular atheist world. That is something that we need to correct. We are having the same problems because we are not depending on the Lord. We are depending on ourselves and other people to tell us how to raise kids. In this relativistic age, we think that there are a number of equally worthwhile approaches to the raising of children out there, attachment parenting, Christian parenting, James Dobson parenting, John Roseman parenting, uh, this kind of parenting, that kind of parenting. No, 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 folks. There is only one way to raise God's children, and that is God's way. And my contention is that in the raising of children, and this is consistent with 
the two great commandments, we should be first and foremost honoring God by following His instruction in the raising of His children, and secondly, we should be raising children in a way that demonstrates love for our neighbors. Proper child-rearing is an act of love for your neighbor. If you're unclear on that, just keep listening to the show. You, I'm talking about the parents in question, should be an inspiration to others, and especially those who make one excuse after another as to why they don't think it's possible any longer to raise children the way you are raising yours. Many, many kudos for swimming against the toxic tide of child-rearing in America. And now, an answer to your question. Of the options, the one that gives me the most pause is the public school, which should be no surprise to anybody who's been listening to the show for a while, in my estimation, but not mine alone, by a long shot. Public schools are administratively top-heavy and have embraced educational philosophies and methods that are not supported by good research. Over the past 50 years, public education is signed on to one teaching and disciplinary fad after another to no good effect. Furthermore, all too many public schools seem to believe that their mission is to identify and get appropriate treatment, and I put the word in quotes, and this treatment involves Testing, diagnosis, and medication. Testing, diagnosis, and medication. Testing, diagnosis, and medication. And on and on and on it goes. That is the drum beat that the mental health community in America is constantly beating when it comes to, quote, treating, quote, children. Don't give your children to the mental health community, folks. Anyway, all too many public schools seem to believe that their mission is to identify and get appropriate, and again, the word is in quotes, treatment for as many children as possible. Not that this is exclusive to public schools, mind you. The folks who work in public schools, in my experience, by the way, are qualified, dedicated people, with certain exceptions, of course. The problem is the system, not the people who work in it. A private schools, private schools on average can rightfully boast of high student achievement, a high percentage of students going to top-level colleges and the like. However, what most people don't know, but which I, what I'm about to tell you is that studies have found that if public and private school students are matched in terms of parent income and education, their achievement levels are fairly equivalent. So, in the final analysis, it's not the school, it's the student. A highly motivated kid from a home that emphasizes the importance of a good education is likely to achieve well regardless. And folks, it sounds like the children in question fall into that category. And by the way, people who think that they're, you know, by putting their kids in private schools, they are keeping their children away from certain undesirable elements, those people are kidding themselves. Believe me, I like Montessori schools, but only when the school in question adheres to Maria Montessori's original educational philosophy, which I happen to believe was truly genius. And by the way, there are Christian Montessori schools out there. You just need to look to find them. 
However, not all schools that call themselves Montessori are equal. Some adhere well to Maria Montessori's original vision, and some do not. Simply vet the school in question well, do your homework so that you know what to look for and what questions to ask. And finally, as for Christian schools, the same wariness applies. Too many schools that call themselves Christian, irrespective of of denominational affiliation, have bought into educational fads, including rampant diagnosis of children. Again, when you're looking for a school these days, do your homework and do it well. Folks, I'm John Roseman, your host. The show is called Because I Said So, American Family Radio across this great country, 6 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Central, and so on every Saturday. Glad you could join us. God bless. God bless.